Welcome to Perry's Leadership Couch. Either you're thinking of firing all your employees, locking yourself in the bathroom to scream in disbelief, or starting up your own business and have not slept in the last month, we have the stories from the people who are there or have been there. This is your dose of leadership excellence and survival. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Perry's Leadership Couch. With me today, I have my friend Elizabeth Hamilton Gorino. Did I say that right? You did. Hi. Oh, good. <laughs> Hi. And, Literally. Yeah. And to, to give you a little background on her, her and I went to a Harvard leadership class together. That's how that's how we met. And she's a fantastic person. She has written a couple of books. Uh, one of them called Percolate, her newest one called Pinky Doodle Bug. And she specializes in helping people kind of get over the hump. You know, in the name of her website is actually called The Best Ever You. And the reason I have her on this podcast, beyond the fact that she's amazing, is that a lot of times in leadership, what you're really trying to do is become the best version of yourself because that helps you lead others. But she has an interesting story. She started off in the finance sector and then moved towards becoming an author and, and working in and helping people. What caused that transition? Well, a lot. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. Um, so the Best Ever You Network, um, I, my, my, our little list one. So I'm a mom of four boys. They're now 19 to 25. But um, when the littlest one was going to go into kindergarten, I was like, oh, here's a brilliant idea. I will go get a job. And I thought, you know, couldn't get out of the house fast enough with the heels and suit on kind of thing. <laughs> Quickly to learn that I uh, actually loved being in the house, but was trying to figure out how I could work from home. Um, but that that job quest landed me smack in the middle of um, a fighting work environment. There were people fighting all around me. I closed my door and I wrote on a piece of paper, there's got to be something better than this. Kind of took it home. Wow. I, quit. Oh, I quit, by the way, too, that on that same day, I was like, I quit. And I came home and I'm like, guess what? I quit <laughs> after about a year of working at this job. And um, went up the street and asked for some help from a neighbor to help me do the website part and their best ever you.com was born. Now, now when was this, is this like last year, 20 years ago, like a hundred thousand years ago now, um, <laughs> like when websites first existed and you were like, what is that? No, um, it was in, Oh my goodness. 2007. 2007. Okay. And, and so you, you didn't have any experience in, in making a website and, you decided, well, first off, what made you decide best ever you is the name and this, and this is the purpose of the website. What brought you to, to doing that, that particular? I think as funny as it sounds, pageants. <laughs> pageants? <laughs> pageants, yeah. I, I'm a pageant girl. Um, all five, three of me. And now 51 years old. But back then, um, I so I was Miss Iowa Teen when I was a kid. Uh, I, so I, my mother was Miss uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. So I have a pageant background. And what I noticed is uh, sometimes people aren't very nice to each other. After being Mrs. Maine twice, uh, I thought that was going to be the the way that I would reach the community best and give back and donate cookies and story times and literacy and all the things that I love. And um, I quickly realized that I didn't need a banner and crown to do that. Uh, I could just be me. And I think um, there were some just moments of like self thought there for me. And I thought, well, how do I become my best? Because up to that point, I thought it was, ooh, attention and banners and crowns and this and that and appearances and everything. And actually, it's a lot of inner work. And so, yeah. So it sounds it sounds like you you had this job that that was nothing short of making you miserable, which is why yeah. you wrote down, "There's got to be something better than this," and you had that in you of wanting to to give back, and you wanted to no longer be subjected to that type of environment, and that's kind of it, it. Seems like that's kind of what prompted it all. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, and I love the financial services industry, really. I just think I didn't like that particular job because we're still very much in, in submerged in the financial industries uh, industry. I'm the CEO of Compliance 4. So um, we, we do chief compliance 
officer, everything outsourced, um, you know, so much stuff. So that's compliance for. So I still am in the financial services industry. I think it was just that particular job was sort of the launching ground for "Hmm, this isn't this particular thing isn't right for me. And there, I bet there's other people who feel this way about their jobs and lives and things like that. And it launched me into sort of a, a, a quest to learn as much as I could about other people, myself, how to raise a family, you know, all the things um, that go. And, and what I decided in, in that moment was to, as miserable as I was, I decided to really root in gratitude which uh, has become so popular now. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Was it Tony Robbins says, cha- uh, trade in your, your, your expectations for appreciation and your life will change. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I believed in that before I heard him say it. I told my wife that once I said, you know, if you want to be happier, just be, be grateful for everything people do for you, even if you paid them to do it, because they didn't have to do a good job. <laughs> that is so true. Oh my goodness. Um, our son, it, illustrating that point our son just had a, a car repair he's in co- the little one that i've been talking about he's up in at rit as a uh, sophomore now and his car broke down and he had a, a repair that needed to be made and so we took it towed it to a group of people you know we didn't know what we were doing and neither did he we'd never had a car repair. <laughs> all veteran owned uh up there um that automotive place it was the most it's a customer service study it was the most amazing customer service, kindness. They treated us like it was their car and their kid. Absolutely wow. incredible. I mean, how many times do you hear that about a car repair? <laughs> yeah, know? it normally is quite a bit. You know, a woman shows up with a young a young man and you, they're going, okay, I overbill for everything now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, ooh, you know, I got them, you know, kind of thing. And no, it was so the opposite of that. In fact, I didn't even show up. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing, we're in Maine. And so we're talking to everybody on the phone and the, just absolutely some of the best. <laughs> I'm so impressed with this car place. It's, it's amazing. I may have them on my show, but absolutely incredible. Just what you needed to deal with the crisis during a, you know, you have a car repair on top of a pandemic going on, you know, it's just stress on top of stress. And they were so gracious. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know that that's great. But go, going back to the starting of the website, though, when when you so you reach that point in your life where you're like, okay, look, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this particular job anymore. I want to be home with my kids because I love my children. I figured out that that that's really where I want to be. And in 2007, remote working wasn't a huge thing. I mean, it, it today it is because you know everybody's running from the coronavirus. But even before then, it wasn't a huge thing to do remote working, especially in in a financial industry, unless you're in an IT capability. And you decided, and you obviously weren't because you were looking at help for your website. So how did you go about it? You said you walked down the street. Did you just knock on doors until you found somebody who could make a website? Like, how was that journey? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, no, the, the, I knew the gal up the street had a graphic design uh, company. And she herself, you know, learned how to do websites based on, I think, a lot of a lot in part, best ever you. I mean, she learned how to do websites based on my website and I was cool with learning curve, but you know, I've been working actually from home since I would give it 2002, maybe even before that actually, um, always had, you know, I've had small children, you know, our kids are, we're like zero, two, four, and six. (laughs) So they're two years Mm -hmm. apart, all boys. And I've always kept myself working from home in something other than um, mom mode. So always had something I was writing or doing or um, financial con- financial services consulting. Um, and this is back when, you know, you were dialing up your internet. You've got me, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that exact noise was my life. And so, um, you know, I've, I've taken calls from my walk-in closet before. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. my bathroom. <laughs> like, you know, you're yeah. like quiet. Um, but but always um the the kids would tell you that I've always, you know, worked from home. Sometimes I've had had um periods where I'd work on a project and had uh, had to hire a nanny to come in and um you know do four hours of of helping 
while I did, you know, did my work or my projects and so forth. And then they would go and I'd go back into mom mode. But, you know, it's not like I haven't had help in all of this either. My husband's amazing and um, I've had help here and there. Oh, that's, that's great. So, so what happened when you launched this website? Once you got it up and running with them and, and she, I, I can imagine there was a lot of struggles as she was learning. <laughs> what, what happened once you, once you got it up and you clicked the buttons and things generally functioned? <laughs> Everybody ducked for cover. <laughs> that new <laughs> I mean, literally, it's like, what are you doing? That was the response. I mean, genuinely, truly, like, what the heck are you doing? I, you know, go back. So I've had everything said to me that could possibly be said to me, and I just pretty much ignored it. Go back, get a real job. You know, that kind of, what are you doing? Why you? You know, that kind of thing. But uh-huh. my best friend from mm, kindergarten really showed up for me. I'm like, look. You're sitting in California sewing baby bibs for your business from your kitchen table. I know you're working from home too. Let's interview you on this on this best ever you thing I got going and let's see where it goes. And she at the time, she's a marketing genius. Her name is Kathy Papera and she owned lilypadbaby.com. And from her kitchen table, she launched like this baby company and it was in stores. It was in everything. I'm like, oh, mom owned business from home. Gee, that sounds familiar what I'm trying to do. Only mine doesn't have a product with it. Mine is just going to be information. And um, yeah, she let me feature her and, and away we went. Wow. Yeah. And how was that journey? So you, you did. So that was, was that your first podcast? Is that, was that it an the, interview piece or, or? Like an article that people would click on. It was just like a and a Back then, I i mean, we launched our podcast in like, I think, 2010. So we're 10 years out podcasting. This is mm-hmm. this is before podcasts were a thing, I think, even. I, I don't remember ever seeing a podcast back then. But just an article like you, would, only it was online. And um, then we launched what I think is cool and I've always wanted to bring back, but I think the, the time has passed for it. We had... Uh, I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. We'll do an ask the expert thing because I clearly don't have all the answers. And we brought on interior designers, um, fashion, beauty, leadership, business coaching, you know, everything. And you could ask, you could go to my website and ask a question and the expert would answer it for free. And that's mm-hmm. what's sort of changed now. Everybody's trying to capitalize on that. And I still think that should be free. Um, but it was funny. I put all these experts on thinking that people would want to learn this or that. Do you know what was the most popular one? Which one? I mean, like literally hundreds of thousands of questions, hits, everything. What co- She was a painter and people would ask, what color should I paint my room or my house? <laughs> Isn't that funny? I would have never seen that coming in a million years. You know, that that just... Some, sometimes you don't know what the market is, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? I'm doing all this, trying to, you know, help people, whatever, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, and that's what they want. Okay. And so it, it that was great, but that wasn't the direction I wanted to kind of head into um, the website. So I really suggested she break off a little bit and be her own brand. I really thought she had something there to be her own self, um, you know, her own yeah, her own brand, I guess. Um, lovely person. Great. I mean, she painted my whole interior of our house and everything. Just lovely. Um, but she had something beyond where we were going. Yeah, it, it's it's it was different, right? Because you're you're focusing on on how to make overcome obstacles and adapt to change through your life or create the change that you need in your life. And she's focusing on doing all of that, but for your house. <laughs> yeah, but you know it's interesting to me because what i found that my older self now would be like oh that's great stress relief gardening painting so i i might have had a different spin on that now um but i think there's websites that do that now you can literally take a picture of your house and you know there's all sorts of artificial type intelligence stuff that helps you decide what color um but that personal opinion um is is uh helpful but now the website has thought leaders um so if you click on thought leaders we have um probably just about under 30 people there 
it's kind of the same thing. You can certainly lob in a question if you have one to them, um, but they write articles monthly for the website. And that's usually pretty helpful versus needing to ask them a question, but they're all accessible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's people like Dr. Ivan Meisner on the website as a thought leader. How cool is that? <laughs> he has been for you since just about day one. He's the most awesome guy. If you don't know him, he should be on your show. Dr. Oh, Meisner. Yeah. Had a BNI. He's amazing. I, I, I would absolutely love it. And so you launched this website and, and you're and you're going in there in this 2007. You, you're going through these iterations. So, you know, again, teach, telling people what, what color to paint their room. Uh, as you're going through these iterations and learning what's going to be this this business and, and how to make it successful and, and how to actually impact people, what got you to the authorship? Oh, yes. Well, I, I, I have been a lifelong writer. I mean, can, can, if my kindergarten teacher was still alive, you could ask her, I love to read and write. And that's my thing. And I love to help teach people reading and writing as well. So like, I loved being in kindergarten and being able to read already because it was fun to help all the other kids learn to read that kind of thing. Just absolutely love it. And, um, I, that's a long story. I'll make it shorter. I really thought the community was building on best ever you, you could see it growing. And I'm like, you know, this would be really fun to put a book out there that talked about some of the things that I was going through personally, or my dad was going through. And what I had noticed in owning the company for so long, that people, the thing that people had trouble the most with, where I thought that I could make an impact with was how to change or deal with change. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm still learning, but I think we put a pretty decent process involved where you can kind of read what we've written and and follow it pretty clearly. It's not complicated. It's just really super straightforward and really written in um, I, I never really write anything beyond maybe like an eighth grade level. So it's really readable. What, what, what happened in your life that made you go, this is, this is the thing, like a, the adapting to change, because because there usually when you when you write something, there's some internal motivation for it, or there's a there's a life experience that says I need to put this down on on a piece of paper. Yeah, what happened to you that made you go in that in that particular topic and in that direction? Um, completely, nearly dying. But I mean, really, twice. Um, so I'm a human being with life threatening food allergies for 25 years now, and I'm 51. I said, so when food allergies weren't a thing, I was dealing with food allergies too. I mean, they might've been a thing, but they weren't, people were trying to figure out, whoa, what is that now? And, um, I nearly, uh, died. I mean, really, really just had a terrible allergic reaction to almonds. I was in a Starbucks. I ate a bag of almonds and boom was, thank God my ex-husband, my spouse, formerly known as Michael, was there to, uh, great guy um to to pick me up literally off the floor carry me to the car and thank god the hospital was like right there or i would be dead uh when we got there i my blood pressure i think was i have to look at my medical records here but i think it was like 58 over 28 or i mean something really scary it was going down yeah. very quickly and they thought i was a drug overdose which is preposterous if you know me, not a single thing, uh, the green tea, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Drugs definitely aren't. And so um, he was like, no, 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 this isn't a drug overdose. I don't know what it is. And they didn't know what it was, but it was cart mode, you know, resuscitate mode, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I woke up hooked try, to machines trying to get my kidneys to work again and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh, no. I have something really wrong with me. And it took a while to figure out that I was allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish. Um, I nearly died again. Interrupt me if I'm talking too much. or, or, or No, whatever. no, no. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, I nearly died again while six months pregnant. <laughs> pregnant wow. with our son, Cameron. I was back in Minnesota. I had moved to California, came back to Minnesota 
walked into my mom's house and ate a cookie that I've eaten my whole entire life. I mean, it was like, yeah, my cookies, you know, kind of thing. And unfortunately for, for me and Cam, the cookie contained wal- walnuts. And it was at that point where it was like, oh, two and two went together. It's like, oh, she's allergic to tree nuts. And um, that was a very terrifying ambulance ride. Uh, a 10-day a stay in, in uh, Bridges in Burnsville, Minnesota, and trying to keep us alive. So, so it seems like those, those events made sure that you had to make some changes. Oh, so much so. And I think for a really long time, I was just trying to figure out how to keep alive, really, you know, that's not funny, but it is true. You know, it's like, oh my God, what's going on? How do I, how do I stay alive and thrive with this? It's, it's going to affect my work. It's going to affect dinners, corporate meetings, board meetings, lunchroom, you know, it was just flat out like, oh my God. And I felt like there, I felt like a victim really. I was so pissed. And um, I've since learned that there are things much worse to have than food allergies the, the things that people struggle with and go through and so forth. And so it was it, not to poo-poo food allergies for sure, but a tremendous perspective came into play when my father had his stroke, plural, mm-hmm. strokes, plural. And um, there was a moment, and I talk about this in, in the book, Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through, where He's survived things that people aren't supposed to survive. He's just, we called him the ICU warrior. (laughs) Yeah. He was in a rehab facility and just absolutely so weak. And my mom and I were there and they were decided that it would be a great idea to wheel him down for speech therapy because whatever. And I'm just sitting there going, are you kidding me? You know, he can, he's not even awake. You think he's going to talk, you know, just pissed that they're doing this to my dad. And so they took an hour to get him out of bed. They took him down to speech therapy and this, she wasn't condescending, but she was very protective of our beings because she knew and said very clearly to my mom and I that when people are in this condition, just really understand when we play the alphabet game, they don't even say anything. So don't be alarmed, right? Mm -hmm. This is serious. We're going to just see if he has his functioning. What's functioning on dad was kind of the thing of the point of this. Anyway, yeah. so the lady says A, the nurse says A, and my dad goes, aardvark. My dad said, aardvark. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My dad said, aardvark. And my mom and I looked at each other like, oh, God. It's either, I don't know. You know, he just completely lost his marbles. And we're like, well, he said something, though. So that's good, you know, kind of thing. She's like, everybody's like, okay, aardvark. And then he said, benevolence. Courage, determination, excellence. F was a choice swear word, which I've changed to faith. Goodness, <laughs> happiness. Yeah, yeah, no, goodness, happiness, integrity, joy, kindness, love. M was movies because he loves movies. And um, we knew on and on uh, just this powerful list of everything. Like he put his foot down and he's like, I'm living through this and watch me. And that's exactly what he did. And he lived, he, he died, uh, this interview is timely. He died basically tomorrow, uh, October 19th, 2018 after Mm -hmm. surviving all of that since 2004. Absolutely incredible, incredible tale of survival. So, so much about best ever you is grounded and rooted and, and percolate as well in that. So, so it it seems like you've used this tremendous amount of life experience and, and trauma in some degrees, yep. and success in others. You know, when you got that website finally working, that had to feel good, <laughs> and channeled it into a book. Going, hey, if you're going through this, if you if you're having these types of problems in your life, and and your dad's having a stroke, or or suddenly the entire world is dangerous to you because a peanut can literally end your life. Yeah. This is a way to cope with the change of of what your life is going to be now. Yeah, totally, and and whatever it is, 
Um, because I, I'm, I firmly believe that we all, I mean all, and if you don't, let me know, because I want to interview you so badly. Um, but if you don't have a running list of crap playing in the background in some way, shape, or form, we all have it, I think. And we aren't very good, um, sh- we don't show it you know, eagerly to others, you know, you don't see people walking around with t-shirts on that say, I'm grieving, hang on, you know, kind of thing. You see people walking around t-shirts saying, I'm happy as heck, this is great, you know, kind of thing. And I think where I kind of learned this pivotal point of information is after my dad died, um, I had come back to Maine and I was standing in the grocery store and apparently I was crying over the pears, not realizing it. And I don't know why I was crying over the pears, but I was like not crying over the actual pears, just crying. And the pears were in front of me and (laughs) they weren't upsetting me. Um, And this lady came up to me and she was quite a bit older than I was. And she said, which one of your parents died? And I'm like, whoa, how do you know that? And she said, the look on your face and your tears are unmistakable for it. Can I give you a hug? And this was, again, a couple of years ago, not pandemic mode. And yeah. I actually took that hug from a complete stranger. And I ne- I've gone up to Shaw's so many times since, and I can't find her or see her again. I have no idea what that moment was, but it was, yeah. it was just pure. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it. And it dawned on me that every single person that you encounter has something going on. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And it might be great and it might be, terrible but you don't know unless you take a a breather around people i just don't honk at people (laughs) you know yeah we're doing their best you know um you know it's just it's it it makes me really 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 think about people i love what you said because that that's something that with facebook and everything that's going on in, in today's world, this, this whole filtered lifestyle, you know, they, they put a TikTok up and they're happy. But in the meantime, if you just move their camera a little bit to the left, their entire life is in shambles, right? It, it's, but that little, that little frame where they're videotaping is perfect. And they, then they, you know, that clothes that they have, which is maybe the only thing that they, I'm not saying everybody's like this, but the, the point is, is that there's just such a filtered life and and then you have that old school mentality on top of it of put your big boy pants on. And I'm so guilty of that because I, I say I say that all the time to myself. Just like, just put your big boy pants on and get going. But that doesn't mean that you're not carrying a huge load on your shoulder that every once in a while will crack. Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, and and I I think it's really important to have these types of discussions because that's where you're connecting really with the community. If, if you don't know people's stuff, you don't, it's superficial in a way like, and and I'm not saying like uh, be a dumping ground or an unloading ground for every single problem that you have, you know, don't, don't your Facebook with your mom, you know, like with your colorful moms at your front door and happy Halloween. Great kind of thing. But um, if you're really going through something, you can sometimes if you see it, you'll look at people's Facebook and they'll write it. Please pray for me. That's real stuff. Yeah. That's somebody really actually saying, hey, friends and family, I'm not going to take the time to get get on the horn and call each one of you. I'm going to just post it here and hope you see it. But say a prayer for me. Hey, we're going through this or going through that. Um, I I still have to write this post. It's funny. I, I haven't done it yet, but in and again, trivial, not life-threatening, that kind of thing. So I, I've learned to kind of give it a perspective. But during the pandemic, all four of our cars broke at once. Now, <laughs> well, it like it like it. I, I don't know how you manage that, but that's amazing. <laughs> okay, but but listen to it though. Again, all four of our car, people don't. Some people don't even have one car, you know, kind of thing. And we have four kids, and literally, like all the. And they're used cars. These aren't like, you know, a run around in 2020 Mercedes or anything like that. These are kid cars. And and our, not only did their cars break, but our van broke all of them within a week. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Seriously, this is happening. And, you know, it's just it 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 can be whatever it's going to be. 
that's disrupting. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have to be something so grave. It can be a flat tire. It can be a, but if you pay attention to people closely, those are the things that you, you find. Does that make sense? I hope, I hope that's making sense. It does. Yeah, it does. See, I'm, I'm also in the middle of, of uh, writing a book. And, and one of the stories in my book is about a gentleman named Bento that worked for me in Africa. It's a gentleman that was doing really good, uh, did really poorly. I'm just going to make a very big that story very, very short. And I, it got to the point where we we're almost going to fire him, but I, I led him through coaching. So that's the whole leadership part of the book is just kind of, you know, what I did with him through coaching that turned him around. Um, but what I didn't know and and he's he's passed away now. Uh, what I didn't know is that he had AIDS. And again, this is Africa. Twenty five percent of the population, you know, that's that's what they know. So it's it's higher than that. That's what they have on record. Um, you know, I didn't know that he was dealing with all those things. And you know, one of the great things that I can remember about him is that after I helped him through his his struggle that he had, which had. It, I'm saying the disease had some something to do with his struggle, but his struggle really was more of a mindset and a responsibility discipline issue than it was the, the the disease. But once I helped him through that and wrote him a note and he talked to his wife, he came into my office crying and, and hugging me. And, and just I was the general manager. He was a mechanics helper. Yep. Right. So you just give an idea of do you care about people? I'm hugging the mechanics helper. He went into my office and cried and hugged because of the help that I gave him and or, or the thing that we worked out together. But he had a lot of things going on that I didn't even know that he had going on. I mean, this is somebody who's sitting there that has, you know, in the United States that you can you have access to drugs that can extend your life way more than you'll, you'll ever have in Rosano Garcia, Mozambique, you know, in the 15th most impoverished country in the world. He doesn't really have a lot of options. So you're, you're living your life with an expiration date that you know is soon. And you never know that. Sometimes you meet and you talk to people and there's a big smile on their face and they're living and you don't know what's underneath that and being able to connect with people at that level. Uh, again, you don't have to be a dumping ground. They don't have to dump on you. Sometimes it's like you said, sometimes it's just a hug in the grocery store. Yeah. Or just general awareness or, um, you know, you can, you can, I keep saying, I think you can do so much even just with your smile. And, and right now our smiles are covered up. So we're smiling through our eyes. So I think those moments are really important even maybe more important, it's very difficult to smile through your eyes because you have to be smiling. That's so true. <laughs> it's way easier to bring your lips up than, than to have your eyes squint because you can totally bring, you can totally fake smile and have your eyes just dead. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, so I think, and I think the mask, you know, like we were in the grocery store the other day and, and my husband said, boy, they can't even see me smiling. Can they? And I'm like, eh, pretty friendly sort. You can see it in your eyes. And he's like, good point. I'm like, yeah, it'd be all right. But it's frustrating to smilers and huggers right now. Um, <laughs> this is a frustrating period of time because, um, or, and travelers and people who are very social and, and so forth. It, it, uh, it feels like you, you know, got a lid on your personality. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you when you found out that you had that that allergy to nuts, so you you had the first episode where you were at Starbucks, you go in and and I'm I'm assuming you didn't find out right away, but eventually you found out. Okay, there are certain things in this world that if I touch, can can just completely turn the lights off for me. Now I have to make all these changes. I have to, in my house, I have to make sure none of this stuff is there. I have to go through every single piece of food that we ever buy that's processed and make sure that it's not there. And then hope to God that if they process it next to something else, that there's not something in the air that floats over there and, and taints it. Yeah. I have a family member that, that deals with something similar to you. So that's why I know a little bit about it. And you had to completely change your life. So what principles did you write and percolate or what principles in percolate were born from some of those changes you had to make? So just about that whole book. <laughs> I would, I would just <laughs> all percolate it's in there. Um, yeah, all of them. Uh, the, the 10 points of change, um, I found it best ever you on 10 points. Nine of the points are in percolate including I spoil, I'm going to 
spoil the ending. Um, the book continues to percolate, which which surprises me. I I love that it's a top one hundred book on Amazon right now in food allergies, so it's still helping people. Um, but I, I really love the the last chapter of that book. Um, and so I would send people to it where it's about percolating peace and um, out into the universe. So I would tell you that that that's there. And why I say that is because I've had to find peace. Uh, when you have a medical, a life-threatening medical condition, whatever it is, you get, you get to deal with that one way or the other. And you can really be angry about it, or you can find a way to be peaceful or as peaceful as you can about it. And that takes practice and it takes so forth. And that's kind of the process of change at all, all the points. But the last point is about finding peace. And so once I did that, and a lady helped me do that, a lady by the name of Gina Close helped me. She said to me back in 2006, would you like to be in my book? And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> I don't know, because up to that point, I'd pretty much hidden the fact that I had food allergies from everybody, thinking that I wouldn't be able to be gainfully employed and had a problem and this and that. She said, no, 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 you can help so many people. I'm like, I can? She's like, yeah, I'm gathering adults who have food allergies. I'm like, wow, there's other adults with this? There are, you know, kind of thing. I just <laughs> thinking I was so alone in this moment with my medical word in my pocket and all this stuff. She's like, no, 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 no. So she wrote a book called one of the gang. And it's pretty much the, I, I still think it's was a groundbreaking book. Um, I'm in it with Jerome Bettis and a, another, a hockey player and me as Mrs. Maine to show kids that you can grow up fine and dandy having food allergies. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such a, a moment. And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I don't think I need this crown and banner kind of thing. I think I can, I think people will accept the fact that I have food allergies. I need to learn how to talk about having food allergies and all this stuff. And so fast forward uh, years, I became a spokesperson for FACT, F-A-A-C-T, um, which is a, a food allergy organization that helps children. Uh, Eleanor Garrow Holding is a very dear friend of mine. And then a lady by the name of Sally Huss came into my life. Uh, and that was in 2019. We were introduced by a friend named Joe Spurley, who is a mentor to our son who plays college baseball. Mm-hmm. Sally Huss has written 100 children's books and is a phenomenal artist and is also an ex-Wimbledon finalist. So she is a very <laughs> accomplished individual. She is 80. 80. And yeah, and I was looking at her books and I said, you know, could you help me do a food allergy book for kids? And that is the book, A Lesson for Every Child Learning About Food Allergies, which has been a bestseller the entire year on Amazon. Wow. And that's great. Yeah, it's about a boy named Jack who has life-threatening food allergies, and he goes into a classroom and with his teacher and parents' permission, tells the children and shares about his food allergies. And instead of bullying him like the kids frequently get these days, they accept him and they're compassionate and they're collaborative and sweet and kind. And he leaves that moment feeling self-confident rather than broken down. Yeah. And and that's something kids need because it it is, it's, it's so rough when you are, it's not just that you're different. It's that physical precautions need to be taken when you arrive somewhere. And that's something that sometimes is challenged depending on the, on the degree that you, that you have the allergy. I know that for my family member, when we do something where he's coming, there is a lot of work that has to be done before he can come in the house. And getting them to the point where they don't feel excluded. I mean, obviously they have to understand that they are, they are, you know, I mean, you, you have what you have and, and there are certain things that, that are just, you know, that's just part of it, but also, you know, not letting them feel rejected. In other words, showing them that we are willing to do all this extra work for you to be able to have you around us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's I, letting them know that. 
as an adult who's lived with these conditions, this condition for, for this long, one of the things that I love is when people don't try and feed me. <laughs> like, I didn't trust it anyway, so just stop. But it's so it's so nice to go to things where the event isn't centered around food because so much of our lives, celebrations and so forth, have a food component to them. And yeah. it, it levels somebody with food allergies right off the bat unless we bring our own food. And the, like the worst thing you can say to somebody with food allergies, I still think, is you should be okay. It's mm-hmm. so like, ah, <laughs> really? This is what you don't understand. This is my life. I should doesn't work for me. It's got to be, I, I am going to be okay. And sometimes the only way that you know you're going to be okay, and even then sometimes it's questionable, um, is to eat what you're used to eating or you know you can eat or um, brands that you can trust and so forth. Um, eating clean. Um, things with no ingredients, but one, you know, those types of things um, not only help you stay alive, but they also help deal with the inflammation component of food allergies. So um, I'm also a founder, a co-founder of foodallergyzone.com. My co-founder is um, Brian Hom, who um, who, unfortunately his son died from uh, a food allergy while they were on vacation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's real. People people lose their life. It's not a joke. That's the other thing that makes me that really hurts my brain is people think food allergies aren't real. Yeah, I, I had a friend of mine who who discovered he was allergic to shellfish when he was almost forty. Yeah, it can happen anytime. His time. whole life eating shrimp, and one day he goes out, goes get some craw uh, some crawfish, and they rush him to the hospital, almost died. And from then on out, he's like, man. Because I wish I had this since I was a kid, because I know how good shrimp and lobster is now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same. I feel the same way because I was never allergic to anything. And then um, I, we still don't know quite what it was, but it, you know, a pregnancy sort of um, altered. I ended up with the food allergies, and I'm always thankful that the that my children don't have them. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes it makes it way easier. I I feel for parents with kids with food allergies because you just want to bubble wrap them and hover around them to make sure they're okay. Yep. <laughs> really. Uh, <laughs> so, but thank you. I, I I'm so grateful for you uh, allowing me that time to chat about food allergies because it's um, just so near and dear to my heart. And Sally Huss is near and dear to my heart. We've gone on to do two books. And uh, the other one is Self-Confident Sandy, which is a compliment to her Positive Pete book. Uh, I've read her, one of her books and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we need this for girls. And so there's two, I think the, the three books live together. The Food Allergy book, Positive Pete and Self-Confident Sandy, because any kind of condition rocks your self-confidence. And those books have the cutest certificates at the end of them. oh my goodness gracious like um they have a cutout certificate that that uh i I won't say what it says you have to kind of look at it yourself but it's it's so cute positive pete and self-confident sandy are not only a book but they have a certificate at the end of them all right so they they're certified when they're when they're done reading it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've had um there's a teacher uh in uh i want to say utah who does you know that you know that kid's book um the i want to say it's like the old lady who swallowed a fly i don't know why no why okay well that's a kid's book it's a really 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 popular kid's book anyway she did a spoof on it like a, a copycat of it and she she ate her favorite books and one of them was self-confident sandy and oh video yeah she did it for her kindergarten class and it's the cutest thing i think it's kindergarten anyway but she ate self-confident sandy in her in her repertoire of things she was going to digest that day and um i I just concluded that the book is highly nutritious i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and and it is nut free (laughs) (laughs) but but it's it's really quite something to see one of the things, you know, you know this, when you do something, it's really quite interesting to see how the public takes it and makes it theirs. I, I just absolutely love that. As long as you're nice. <laughs> if you hear yeah. it, <laughs> please know. 
<laughs> it's it's also interesting how you 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 can say something and in, in your case write something and you mean it one way but they take it a completely different way that's actually quite better than what you originally intended it to to be. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you are. Oh my goodness gracious and the world trust me the world's full of people much smarter than I am and so I love that. I, I absolutely am fascinated with people in that regard where they will they will take something you've done and you know give you a little tip to make it just a little bit better or whatever or use it in a different way or uh, people are cool people are yeah, and that that's part of what what I think is really important when you when you come to working with teams of, of people whether you're leading an organization or, or even at you, the new book that you wrote that you you mentioned to me before we started the podcast that it was just a tremendous collaboration and the only way you can really collaborate with people like that is is you have to have some level of of respect and admiration for the skills that they bring to the table. And and they have that same respect and admiration for the skills that you bring to the table, even if they're the same skills. And that allows you to really get this amazing result when you work with them because you're not competing. You're, you're sitting there going, yeah, okay, I might know stuff, but you're amazing. And they're like, yeah, I might be amazing, but so are you. And, and then it's like, okay, let's work together. And you just you're building and building and building and this great thing comes out. How was that process for you on, on the new book that you wrote? Um, my life would be so much different without Chris Fuller in it. Um, and the, and the entire team at Waldorf publishing um, the book is the book that you're referring to is called pinky Doodlebug. <laughs> pinky Doodlebug, And I, I signed an agreement to do this book. Like, I don't know how long ago now, like a year and a half ago. And it just got released October 15th. And um, it's just more evidence that we don't do cool things alone. Um, I think of, I was, I was thinking about this, you know, when, when you hear a song on the radio, there's so many people behind that, a movie that you're watching, a book that you're reading, um, product that you're using, anything. I think people make a mistake when they go at things alone. Um, really, um, they think that they're supposed to do things alone and it's just so much more fun to collaborate. Um, granted you can have some really devastating collaborations where, you know, there's, you know, bodies everywhere, but when they work out, they work out. And, um, Chris Fuller is a person that I met randomly, Perry. Do you, did you ever, did you hear this story about how I met Chris Fuller yet? No, no. Do you want to hear it? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's go. <laughs> this is a doozy of a, of a, how you meet, how people matter. So she put a note in this Facebook group, which is an entrepreneur, women to women, like entrepreneur group. And it has 300,000 people in it now. Right. And it did back then too. It was just, and that was in January of 2020. And um, it said, I need to learn Zoom. Anybody want to learn this with me? That's basically what she wrote. And I was the first person to answer her. And I said, I do too. At, to that point, I didn't want to admit it, but I'm like, yeah, I need to learn this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And so we both agreed that we would learn Zoom together and Facebook Live and be live and all this stuff. And it is it it was comedic and friendship gold um, because we went live on Facebook with no audio with people like <laughs> I mean absolutely hysterical live fumbling through learning these things but like the the things that people are afraid to do because they're going to look stupid or whatever or look like they don't know what they're doing we were just like whatever and um, we did it and we to get, we realized that we're we're like Garino Fuller, Fuller Garino. We don't know how it goes yet, but we've got so many cool things ahead of us. And we, we basically merged our companies. The companies mm -hmm. are, she owns Your Life Sparkles. I own Best Ever You. And we are right there collaborating. She's in British Columbia. I'm in Maine. You couldn't be more part <laughs> and, and more connected at the same time. It's just absolutely incredible. And we published a best-selling journal. Before this, we published that in June, which is a guided journal, and that is still 
uh, Amazon bestseller. And then I basically said, do you want to help with Pinky Doodlebug? Because the one thing I discovered about myself is that I'm not the best um, creator of rhymes. Uh-huh. And I, and I wanted the rhyme to be right. And I write, you know, and talk forever. And she's real good, <laughs> good with her rhymes. And so we had this book with these characters and this, this, and this, that. And she shaped up the story better than it could was. And, um, and so now we have a little doodle bug who, this was the story. Um, and she just, she just fixed it kind of, but they, um, the doodle bug needs words. And so her forest friends, she goes by the glow of the lightning bugs. They went on a quest to find the best stories ever, the very best of the best. And her friends show up to her, like show up for her, like Claire, the caterpillar and, Mm -hmm. <laughs> all of our friends are named in the book <laughs> my husband is porcupine and on and on and on and it's just the cutest thing with little doodle pages and it's a hardcover paperback and ebook and will soon to be audio and we just received news that it'll be a level two reader as well released in january and um so it's just absolutely a joy so much fun that, yeah, that's great. And I, I can say the same thing about so many people that that I've surrounded myself with. There's a particular gentleman, his name's uh, Chad Coslow, and, and he's going to be on this podcast eventually. But uh, we, we have, we're we too busy talking for hours at a time just being friends. Maybe what I'll do, I told him one day I'm just going to hit record button on one of our conversations. It'll make for a great podcast. But he's a serial entrepreneur owns a, a pretty interesting company and, and he's, you know, he's lost a couple, you know, sold out and liquidated a couple of companies before because they didn't go too well. But he, he, what's funny with, with him and me, and, and I have this relationship with, with quite a few people that I, that I truly deeply respect, but, but the one with him is particularly special is I remember when I was sitting down uh, at, at his house and, you know, his, his wife tells me, you're the only person I know that I think is smarter than my husband. <laughs> and, and, Chad's like, yeah. And I'm like, Chad's the only person that I know that I do without a doubt is entirely more intelligent than I am. <laughs> I'm, Chris I'm like, you're running circles around me and I'm decently smart, but you're way smarter. And isn't it cool? Yeah. It's just that, that common mutual respect and, and you being able to, to provide that with just people that you know in, in your daily life or, or more importantly, the people that you work with. What what I talk to people about a lot is is that that can be established on purpose. It does it doesn't have to be an accidental thing. You can purposely go about and establish that type of relationship with people, and and it's and it's very very important because as you go through life, what what really matters at the end of the day, and, and what's going to help you get through it is is uh, that community of people that are around you that are that trust you, that believe in you, respect you, and that you don't do those same things back to them. Which will, and that's the lubrication that allows this machine of a team of a community to to accomplish great things. And I know that before we talked, you did mention that way back in the day, before you had all these Facebook groups and stuff like that, that that you found that there was a a, a very important aspect to community. What 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 made you realize that that community aspect was so important, and, and how did you go about creating it? Oh boy. I, I, um, it's funny. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about because we were talking back and forth, but, um, I, I have, I just have always said like in, you know, even in percolate, um, that we, we find our, we find our communities. Um, I don't even know how to, <laughs> it, it's popular right now with the pandemic and so forth. Cause we're all online and we're talking in our communities and our zoom communities and things like that. But I think if you back it up before that, we've been in those communities, but maybe we've been very, very busy. And um, this has allowed us to sort of stop and, and align ourselves better with maybe what matters a little bit more in certain circumstances. Not everybody is doing that, but I, I certainly see people um, honing in on what really matters the most. And when you do that, you you find where you belong. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's that's really important. 
is finding where you belong and and that group of people that you belong with. Now, we we did talk a little bit about your your transition into into going through the change of of the world around you. Now, the people who are listening, you you said one of one of the key aspects to be able to get get through that transition is that peace. Right? Yeah. So when you first faced it, obviously there's so many feelings, right? You're confused, you're angry, you're blaming the world, why me? You know, you're depressed. There, there's a you know, finding out you have food allergies in, in, in the middle of your life is, is I can't imagine it being anything more than just a, a series of emotions that you had to process short of being. So one of your key tips was, look, learn how to find peace yes. to be able to, to go forward. Could you give the people listening one more key thing that you did? You don't have to go through the whole book, but one more key thing that you found was, was critical for you to, to keep proceeding and adapting to this change in your life. Well, I think one of the things that people could do to really help themselves um, be their best, like one of the things that I've learned is I still think it's making mistakes. (laughs) I really do. I think sometimes we get afraid to start that new podcast because we're afraid it's going to suck. No one's going to listen to it or it's not going to be perfect in audio or whatever it is. And, um, I think it's very important to take action, um, and, and do those things, have that trial and error, go through, find out what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you need help with. And when you find things that you're not so good at, but you still love, find the people that will rally for you and and surround you with love, like Pinky Doodlebug. You know, I was telling you Mm -hmm. before, you know, I'm not that good of an artist at all really um i can i can write i can i can do this or that but if you look at the way pinky doodlebug is illustrated there's no way i could do that and i had it in my head i'm like i need bugs i need flowers i need a moose i need you know i'm I'm like kind of sketch they were laughing at my sketches like yeah wow (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) but it it's just so important to um and again, you find your you find your people and you find your community and so forth. Um, but in that, realizing that you're probably if you're if you're like me, you're like a you're a lifelong learner. I pride myself on being a lifelong learner. I'm so excited for people to teach me everything that I don't know because it's incredibly powerful what I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I know so little. And um, recognizing that fact that we all have so much to learn and being open to people teaching you, showing you, you know, there's a lot of people who have written a lot of great books before I ever did. It's so much fun to learn that process. Yeah. Example, you know what I mean? And, ha- and, and try to make a book the best it can be and see what happens. I have no idea what's going to happen. That that's so true. So so pretty much, if I can gather correctly during our conversation and help the people listening pull out some, the the nuggets, essentially what 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 you've what you've given these people here during during this talk, even though we're just talking more than anything, but the three things that, that I've been pulling out that were really interesting is, you know, you need you need to find peace with whatever situation that you're in, where no matter what's happening in your life or where you're at, you need to you need to make peace with it and, and be grateful for being where you are. Can I interrupt you right there? Yeah. You might not be, it might not be that you can make peace with it, but you can have tools in your toolbox that make you aware of how to find the peace because it rests within you. It's it's not an external thing. You, you control uh, your level of peace. You know, what makes you peaceful and you know what makes you doesn't what what definitely doesn't make you peaceful and being able to be aware of that and and tap into that so that you can reach for it when you need it when you need to calm down when you need to do this when you need to do that you have that tool and awareness because yeah you know i gotta tell you no for i'll just go back to the four cars breaking down that wasn't peaceful and there was no way to make that you know like uh peaceful there's no you know you kind of do you make the best of it in a way sometimes too 
that would that would be something I would add. It's a very popular phrase of mine right now. <laughs> Making the best of 2020, you know, this is what we're going to do to make it the best it can be. And it's tricky out there in so many layers of everything. Yeah, and 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 just to, a little snippet uh, to add on to 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 what you're saying is, I, I live in a beautiful apartment that has a panoramic view of New York City. I can look out my window. We're talking right now. I see uh, the World Trade Center. I look to the left. I can see the Empire State Building, and I'm employed, and I get a paycheck. Now I'm cooped up in my house, and every once in a while I get a little bit frustrated. But then I just tell myself, "Oh, poor you, sitting in a beautiful apartment with a panoramic view of New York City while still collecting a paycheck." Oh, poor you. Sometimes you need to give yourself some perspective. (laughs) And that's what you said earlier too that I loved about sort of rooting in gratitude. Uh, And yeah, perspective for sure. And um, but really. Every single moment of your life matters, every nanosecond, every every single thing. And may it not be a wake-up call for you to realize that. And and therein lies the gratitude. If you can, if you can do that, especially as a child, if I could, if I could teach children gratitude and love and all that, I would I would just absolutely just love to do that. And I think our this generation of kids is is grasping those concepts better than perhaps mine did. I don't think people talk. I don't think people went around with yeah, gratitude when I was a kid. I don't ever remember hearing that. Yeah. You know, I, I go back and, and think of people who grew up in a, in a harder time. Like I remember that I said, I said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, please. And thank you. And I still do because my dad would take my head off if I didn't. I, I, I don't know yeah. if I necessarily Doctor felt did. gratitude. Yeah. Um, but I certainly was told to express it. Now, maybe a generation or two before me uh, that went through a, a thing or two more than I did yeah. has a better perspective on true gratitude. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have all the answers to that. I, I still I think about that all of the time. And I also um, hopefully I won't I won't cry right now, but I think about I just I'm going to talk about my my own kids because that's my reference point, you know, thinking about what they're going through right now. They're at college. I have, we have a college baseball player. Talk about like derailed and making the best of 2020, completely derailed. Um, But uh, somehow on the track to graduate in December, not unfazed, mind you, Definitely having moments of like, oh my goodness gracious, but resilient and kind and grateful and and things like that. And so I marvel at and our son at RIT, I marvel at all of the people, and I, I'm gonna say it again, who are making the best of this. Cause yeah. it, it it and I, I marvel at their navigation skills. Our neighbors have kids in college, same thing, you know, and, and from a parent standpoint. Um, it's sleepless some nights. You're like really worried as the numbers go up and things like that. You're like, oh my goodness, this is happening and they're away from me. And you just want to bubble wrap them and put them in the house. <laughs> <Once I'm laughs> get them trying to keep them safe and, and you need to respect their the, them as people and their being a young adults and all this stuff. But people are really navigating a lot right now. And it's some, yeah. and it, it can be heavy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you. And, and that's where, you know, going back to finding, finding the peace and, and finding your way through it and being, being a way to having your shelter. So for you, you mentioned to me was writing. Sometimes you'll just sit down and that's why you're an author because you just love writing and that can bring some level of peace. So there are tools like doing the thing that you, that brings you peace, writing, painting, singing, jogging, running. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> and then there's the the you know the other things which is is gaining perspective and another important thing that you mentioned during the podcast that I thought was a was a good lesson was was not letting fear of failure hold you back. You know that that percept that perfection gap. Everything's got to be perfect or else it's going to fail and then I and I won't get started. Nothing changes if you don't if you don't start something. <laughs> so I think that lesson was 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 great. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm writing a new self-help book right now. 
And, um, and what's, what's there for me right now is, is talking about aligning, um, your heart and, um, not lying to yourself and, and being truthful and taking those actions that are in line with, you know, what you, what your truths are, your heart, your truths and your energy. I kind I like of that. Going with that. Yeah. And, um, I have no idea what, what'll become of that book. Um, there's, I think we're going to get an offer on it, I hope. Um, but we've been just, it's a, it's a moment right now to really take a step back and think, but think with your heart, I think. Yeah. When, when going back to the peace, the, the peace thing, um, just to, just my personal experience and, and there are, there's some, there's some literature out there that backs this up, but the, the inside, inside of everybody, they know who. Uh, they need to be they, they you know this because you feel bad when you don't do the things you're supposed to do your body literally tells you like hey dude <laughs> you, you, you know that nasty feeling you have now and and you avoid it but you feel nastier later this is your body telling you you're not aligning yourself with 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 what you believe in and if you do align yourself closer to what you believe in you do tend to live a more peaceful life you do it it where we encounter people a lot in best ever use, they're just so far away from their truth. They really mm-hmm. want to be one way. They're thinking they they're almost like a I say you know stop wishing for it and start working for it instead. And and that comes into play when just people are so far from their truth and heart. They're over here when they want to be over here, and they can't quite see the steps to do what they're trying to do in their heart, head, mind, and their truth, because they're so far from it for whatever reason. Yeah, it's life. That's, that's true. Well, when you get that book out, I, I, well, I want to do this again with you before the book comes out, but I do know that I, I promised you an, an hour and, and, um, and I don't want to take your time away from you. And it is a, you know, people who don't know, I, I do these things on the weekend. So, you know, Elizabeth had to wake up bright and early and perky in the morning to sit down and have this conversation and she has four kids and a husband. So I'm sure <laughs> there might be a thing or two you need to do on a Sunday with your family. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad there's no video because yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, so thank you so much for having me on your show. It was um, a true joy. And I'm so glad that um, we got to meet in life. It's, it's pretty cool how we met in good old Harvard. Gotta love it. That's right. I, I loved our conversation and, you know, that that's what I was looking forward to when we messaged on, on Facebook about this is that we've never really had a chance to to sit down and talk. And the way that I view this podcaster is really it's more of a conversation with very interesting people who've done some things in their lives that by listening to their stories, maybe you'll get some value out of it. Plus, I get to have fun and talk to interesting people. So <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Take care and have a great, great uh, rest of your day.